Welcome to Get Off the Mic, a hockey podcast by hockey nerds for hockey nerds. Brought to you by the writers from GetOffTheIce.com. Welcome to Get Off the Mic. I'm your host, Mac. And with me today is none other than the moderately haired man himself, the once bald boy, Scotty Staffrider Steve. Hello. Hi, Steve. Hi. And joining us is no one, because they all suck. Don't worry, we, we will man the barracks while everyone's away. Um, and there is lots to talk about today. But first, Steve, I think it's important to get out of the way. How important and impressive are Weaver Ants? <laughs> Uh, incredibly. For those of you that uh, don't know about Weaver Ants, there is a great video by Kurzez. I can't pronounce her name. Kurgez, Kurgez, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, there's a great video on them on YouTube, and that is what I was watching when Mac called me this morning. <laughs> yep. So you know, it's a good energy boost to talk about Weaver Ants of all things. But uh, without further ado, I guess we should get into all the hockey news that we have to talk about. And at the top, and what is the most important and probably will continue to be, is the Black Lives Matter movement. And while the movement has not died, although traditional media has uh, started to censor it from their uh, newsreel, it has re-entered due to the unfortunate case of Jacob Blake, a man who is, I'm pretty sure he was breaking up a fight or of the sorts. Um, and when he was walking away with his children in the car, was shot seven times in the back by police officers in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The NBA, uh, mostly the NBA players, actually voted almost immediately to boycott the games on Thursday. It was Thursday night, right? I believe so. Um, and the NHL response was uh, nothing. A moment of solidarity that lasted four seconds. Oh, sir. Solidarity. That was no. too much. It was reflection. It was a moment oh, of reflection. And that is right. For both games. Or at least that's what they said it would be until they didn't do it for the second game. The yeah. Dallas-Colorado game did not have a moment of reflection. Nothing before it. That's honestly, to put it frank, it's disgusting. To care so little, to try so little in the wake of what has been the biggest one of the biggest movements from sports teams Um, because this didn't just start with the nba the mlb took part there were some tennis players that took part i think the mls took part and the wnba were the wnba uh for sure and then to have one of the other major sports franchises or leagues in the nhl do essentially nothing it's just um disrespectful at least nothing but steve they they sprawled a great sign at center ice that said end racism for one of the games is that not enough Uh, i think it's nazim kadri that said at one point words just aren't enough anymore and that's something that the nhl has lacked is they haven't taken any actions they've just used words as a league they haven't uh if we want to get into the next night the players did force some action uh which is good but the league itself won't do anything without basically yeah yeah and i think that's an important distinction to make is that although nothing happened the first night as far as i i'm aware the players weren't even privy to the information that that there was any plans like apparently the boston and tampa teams that showed up uh prior to the first game on thursday 
um, only realized that there was going to be a moment of reflection when they got to the rink. And then when the Dallas and Colorado players arrived at the rink, they were not informed of anything. So when there was no moment of reflection, uh, nothing seemed to miss to them. Uh, that isn't to exonerate the players, uh, most notably Alain Vigneault and a couple of some of the Islanders and Philadelphia players claimed that they had no idea what was going on and chalked it up basically to napping prior to the game. When, if you even just go on Twitter for one second, you can see the uproar about uh, the Jacob Blake incident. Murder. Sorry, we should call it a murder because that's what it is. I don't believe he's dead. No? No, I believe he's paralyzed. He was paralyzed and then shackled in his hospital bed. I just don't get it, man. It's... I just don't. And the NHL is such a joke of a league. And it was nice to see the NHL players actually trying to step up and do something. And that was kind of a trend that I noticed in the coming days between Thursday till today, which is Sunday, August 30th, um, is that basically everywhere the players are taking ownership of the actions that were made. Uh, Notably, when the NHL suspended play on Thursday, the score, a sports media outlet out of Toronto, uh, posted a an article saying, oh, the NHL suspended their games. And Evander Kane responded to it saying, the NHL players, asterisk, helped or forced the NHL to suspend games. Again, reiterating that the players were leading the charge on this. And then I believe in an interview with uh, TSN, I'm pretty sure, or it may have been Sportsnet, but Matt Dumba basically (laughs) said what every reasonable hockey fan is thinking is, why is the NHL always last? Why are they always the last league to do something about social matters? It's disheartening and it's it makes me sad to be a fan of this of the sport where they won't take any action or take a stand against injustice and racism besides putting a sign that says end racism. It's just I think I think part of it is because the NHL players in general seem to be a bit distant. Um obviously their personalities don't show except for a few players and I don't know if, if, if you wanted to get into this uh, at all, but then you also get uh, on the same day that all this was happening, you have Logan Couture in the morning basically saying that he got punched in Toronto for saying he would vote Republican if he could. Like, Yeah, that was a bizarre scenario, and it's definitely something we should talk about because Logan but, Couture was the first non-player of color to uh, kind of overtly pledge his support to both his his black teammates and uh, hockey players league-wide, and to the Black Lives Matter movement. I'm pretty sure he was the very first one. And he then did this? I just, I I don't understand what was going on. No. And as a lot of people pointed out, it just kind of seemed like Like there's no, I haven't seen any confirmation on if this actually happened or not, but it did seem a little made up. Well, for anyone that isn't aware, I think it was Friday morning, Logan Couture at basically the crack of dawn, I think it was 7.30 in the morning, tweeted what basically, what has this world become? I was talking about voting Republican, and then I just mentioned Trump, and I got punched in the face. And I was like, okay, what? And then... Well, you're Canadian. (laughs) Well, he he responded to a couple of people that were responding to his tweet, um, and one of his responses was... I would, in quotation marks, vote if I could and all that. But I'm also pretty sure he can. He's a permanent resident of the U.S., I'm pretty sure. I don't know the exact clause, but I think you have to be a citizen. Oh. Like, 
I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I don't. I don't think he's. He's not allowed to vote, though. I don't think. Well, that's that's quite all right. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed. It seemed that almost as a drunk post crazy night tirade of sorts. You know what I mean? Like when you're upset and you're still kind of hungover, kind of drunk from the night before. Yeah. And you just get on Twitter to talk. My the main question I have is why didn't he just file a police report? Yeah. Twitter's not the place to come to if you've been assaulted. Um, just a PSA. If you have been assaulted, you should probably file a police report. That's a very important PSA. I'm glad you said that. But then it, it became even more bizarre when he started describing his respect for the police and all that, which I suppose is fine. It's maybe a little tone deaf right now, if you know what I mean. But that uh, his respect for the police comes from the fact that his father was a police officer. No, he was a firefighter. Yeah, that's unequivocal, or that is, yeah, yeah, empirically incorrect because it's well known that his uh, his father was a, a fairly decorated firefighter and was very much not a police officer unless one arrests fires. But it's just it's so bizarre, and it's honestly a little a little disheartening because he was one of the first ones to come out, and he gained so much praise for being that first basically white hockey player to to step out into the into the spotlight and place what is perceived as a great risk on i guess his career uh to support his teammates and the movement and now he's acting really really weird this just goes back to the point that i was trying to make that i don't think i i made uh very well at all is the play uh, there's a lot of players in the nhl that do um, openly support Black Lives Matter that do try. There's Evander Kane, Matt Dumba, Tyler Sagan has been very vocal. But then you have another subset of players that seem to almost go ag- not against it overtly. But then you have like you have like Tuka Rask who wore the Boston Police hat in uh, yeah. in an interview during the whole defund the police movement, and either players are extremely tone deaf. Or they're trying to send subtle messages, and the NHL just seems very. The players seem very on both sides of this this issue, which is extremely disheartening. Well, you're a. You're absolutely right, and that's something I've noticed as well. And it's kind of hard not to notice, especially with the circumstances and all that. But I wonder if the problem in the NHL is like again goes back to culture and how teams don't want to upset the balance of whatever team camaraderie they're going up they they have and the thing that stuck out most to me was uh when the players came out on thursday to talk about the postponement and uh, further initiatives that the players want to take and ryan reeves basically took the stand as the biggest or as the head speaker he described that he was worried about walking out on his teammates and you know if he'd be alone if maybe one or two guys would come but this is kind of a trend that uh ryan reeves has has shown when he first knelt kneeled he was worried about how his teammates would respond and like why is taking a stand for human rights a distraction that's not that's not a distraction in the same way that women are a distraction mr milbury but it's just i don't know it feels like a culture problem right it does it really does and it was good to see uh so many players from the teams left in the bubble that came out to those press conferences and it's and all the players that seem to be trying to take active steps to help their communities 
uh, it would be nice if the NHL did something like the NBA and, and converted uh, arenas to, to vote in and like actually put in taking steps to help further the cause rather than just talking about Give them it. lip service. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And I guess the, the punctuating question to this discussion is, will the NHL actually improve? Because they seemed to have been making strides after, again, they kind of fumbled the ball uh, at the original onset uh, following the George Floyd murder. But then they started to make improvements. You know, they partnered with the Hockey Diversity Alliance. It looks like they were going to do stuff. But it kind of has always seemed like an action persisted, right? So after Akeem Alou came out with his story back in, I think it was November, uh, they, the NHL met with him. Uh, we haven't heard anything about that ever since, besides Alou having said that there was you know, good talks. What action was taken? I haven't seen or heard any. The Hockey Diversity Alliance was created, and they were explicitly and like, like extremely, they made this point so much so that I took note of it, that they wanted to make sure that they... Uh, that they were not associated with the NHL. Like they're obviously associated with it, but they're not, you know, a subcommittee of the NHL. They are their own entity that they, and they operate outside of the NHL. Right. Yeah. And, and then this, this happens again, you know, like what can we expect them to actually change? I don't know if we can expect them to actually change, but it would be nice if they, it would be, it would be more than nice uh, if they actually started to try. To actually no. show just something that's not reactionary after the fact, if you know what I mean. No, absolutely. Not being the last one in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I fully agree. And, you know, I've had some friends that I've spoken to about this that are hopeful that the NHL is going to take strides and that the players may be able to influence them a little bit more because there are some great initiatives from players going on. But, you know, I just I reiterate that you know, walk or, or, you know, just be cautious about that. Don't get your hopes up because whenever, ever has the NHL basically stood up for basic human rights or any social issue for that matter. Yeah. And just, just one more thing on, on, on all this is uh, I think Dallas um, at the CEO or something came out and said that they had actually lost uh, season ticket holders to uh, because of their stance on this issue. Good. You don't want racist as fans. Yep. And it's nice to see Dallas coming out with that. Because obviously they don't, you don't come out with that as for any other reason than to show, you know, know, we're fine with this. So it's, it's really good to see that from uh, the Dallas organization. But with that, we are going to move on. But again, the conversation persists. It shouldn't end until there's meaningful change, but we don't know when that meaningful change will happen. Not just within the NHL, within society as a whole. There are important reformations that need to be made. And until they are, until we start to see some equalization in basic human treatment, then uh, then we can talk about what comes after. But for now, you know, our, our minds are for firmly rested on the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, that being said, the NHL did restart their games on Saturday. Um, and the second round is well underway. There are some surprises, some not. Vegas is leading Vancouver 2-1. to one. Are we surprised by that? No, not at all. <laughs> no, um, I was actually surprised Vancouver kind of dominated them in game, game two, but uh, altogether, Vancouver is a super fun team. I don't ascribe to the, you know, the whichever team is, whichever Canadian team is last is Canada's team. That's stupid. But, but 
you know, they are super fun to watch. So I'm definitely rooting for them. But, you know, Vegas is kind of dominant. Yeah, Vegas is... Uh, I. <laughs> I think I saw a post from Sean Tierney. They're still not even getting um, average goaltending or something like that. And they're still this dominant. Yeah. So once they're firing on all cylinders, they they really may be by far the best team. Um, I mean, they did get 2,930 shots last night. Yeah. For anyone that's not aware, there was a typo on, um, I think that was actually the NBC broadcast. I think so, yeah. That, uh, that showed uh, Vegas with 2,039 shots. shots on the board, which is Compared pretty funny. Compared to 27 from the Canucks. And while that's an exaggeration, that is a good representation of how dominant Vegas can be. Also, and that's really bad goal scoring if they only had three goals on that many shots. Yeah, so we got to talk about quality of shots if, if they got three <laughs> goals on 2,000 shots. Next is uh, Boston. They uh, that, that series is not coming up the way that I thought it would. Tampa's up 3-1 in the series. Um, Boston took a close game one, but ever since it's been all Tampa. Boston has been outscored, I think, eleven to one in the last six periods of hockey, or like two games. Yeah, it's a. I think it's ten to one, or it's ten it to has- two. Ten to two. They won seven one and three one. It's um. What's wrong with Boston? I'm not sure. I personally, I've never been the biggest fan of Halak as a starter for them. Um, I think possibly having Tuukka Rask out is might be hindering them. That's not an indictment on Tuukka Rask. He wanted to, he needed to be with his family, and that is completely valid. I just don't think their goalie depth is that is is great on the score in front. I have no idea. Like you have David Pasternak who co won the Art Ross or the Rock Richard, yeah. and you have like like Brad Marchand who. Well, he is a pest. He is an amazing player, and they're just not coming up with anything. Well, the the top line is like they're still scoring, but the thing are they? they <laughs> well, yeah, within reason, I guess, but not up to their standards. But I suppose to I guess basic kind of playoff metrics, they're still coming up well. But the and but this is the thing that frankly I've always thought, basically since like 2014 or whenever. Yeah, since 2014 is that Boston doesn't have the the forward depth to really go the distance, but frankly, they've always, well, they've always proven me wrong. They've always gone far and they're always a successful playoff team, but it actually is finally looking like, like that hot take of mine from wherever years ago is starting to come to roost because they're not getting any play or a depth scoring. Like Krejci is a very good player. He's not doing much. Obviously Debrus, I think I he's mean, a little overrated, but he's not, not not putting anything on the board. Deadline acquisition. Kasha isn't doing anything. Charlie Coyle hasn't been bad, to be honest. But I like Charlie Coyle. He's a good player. I don't like him. Mostly just because he's a Boston Bruin. But but actually, yeah. on the flip side, I kind of made fun of Tampa for their deadline pickups. Like They gave a first and uh, Nolan Foote, who's a great prospect. Uh, Mark for, Well, that, uh, that, oh, that, that was just another was first. For uh, Blake Coleman. And then they gave a first for... Barkley Goodrow in a third, a known fourth liner. But you and know what? I think he had a big fight last night. Well, I think that, like, yes, they are still definitely overpayments. Do not mistake oh, that. Definitely. But they are, like, super valuable additions to their team. And they kind of, they do actually address what the the issues that Tampa had in, in grit and, you know, fight back. And you saw that last year against Columbus. They went they went down one nothing in the series after blowing a 3 nothing lead. Um, and they basically had no fight. And... 
any fight that they did basically resulted in a suspension or an injury. So no, they really seem like they've put themselves back together for this year. Um, And actually I think it was money puck has the uh, Stanley cup odds. It's a 63% chance that one of Vegas or Tampa will win the cup just based on their play, which is just unreal. But based on their play deservedly, that's what it is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like they've been the two most dominant teams thus far in the playoffs. So, that's no surprise. What is surprising, though, are the other two series. Colorado and Philly are really struggling, and both of them are down 2-1 in their series. I So Nathan McKinnon is still Nathan McKinnon. He's still scoring. He's still... I think he's got the best... Uh, the most yeah. points in the, in the yeah, playoffs. Yeah. He's leading the, the race, yeah. And he's just the best... By far the best player left in the playoffs, for sure. Hot take, he's the best player in the league. All around, yeah. Yeah, all around, yes. I, I can I can definitely see that. Um, I think McDavid lacks a little bit on the defensive side, which is where McDavid doesn't, and or Mc, McKinnon, McKinnon yeah. doesn't. And yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, can we quickly take a sidebar to talk about the fact that the two best players in the league, their last names both start with Mac? Do you have something to do with that, Mac? I'm not saying I don't, but I think it just maybe speaks to the ex- exceptional in nature of Max. That is quite the hot take. I don't think it's hot at all. It's based in logic, evidence, um, uh, ex- uh, experience. Um, yeah. All right. You know what? <laughs> anyway, as, back to it. as a Mac, I'll take your I'll take your word for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But, but but yeah. So like, do we think like what's what's wrong with Colorado? Is it as simple as the fact that Grubauer is out and that they're relying on their backup? I mean, Francis was he was a good unreal. backup. Yeah. yeah, I had him in fantasy. He was doing great. He was doing work. I, I don't know. Part of me is like, I wonder if it's less so, or it, I think it I might think be it's a more mixture. Dallas. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I think it's more of a mixture of the fact that Colorado's not really playing up to their standard, and Dallas all of a sudden figured out how to score again. Yeah, the one criticism that Dallas has had over the last little while is that for some reason they aren't scoring, but that's not the case yeah. anymore. They are now. Yeah, so, the, yeah, they're the highest scoring team left in the playoffs. They could. It could just be that the uh, the stars are. It's it's a it's a fight between two powerhouses because the games have been high scoring and fairly close. I think uh, the first two games I think were fairly handily won by the stars. The second ge- or the third game that Colorado won was a uh, was a close one. Okay, so let's. I, I have it up right now. So the first game was five three stars, and then I think it was five two, uh, right? Five two, yeah, and then. Yeah. Game three was six four avalanche. Yeah, okay. So it's still early in the series. There's still it's only two one. There is there's chance time for the avalanche to come back. Whether they do or not, we'll see. Just with that too, I think I think the Bruins are done. Um, yeah, I think the Bruins are basically dead in the water. It like a seven really- one loss, uh, and then a suffocating three one loss. Like it, it, I know three one's a close score, but once Tampa got up three one, they're basically the game was was over there wasn't much uh game two is four three no sorry i'm talking about uh game four they won three one in game four so oh yes sorry yeah i was i saw it and postponed and i didn't see the uh actual (laughs) but uh but yeah so and i guess the last series we need to talk about is uh the islanders and philadelphia first of all i'm disappointed in philly i really like their team and i wish they were doing better but number two are people just gonna have to bow down to barry trotz and matt barzell like, cause that's the I, th- I think they're going to have to bow down to Leo Komarov and Matt Martin. I'm leaving the call. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
well, Matt Martin seems to be playing better. Like they are fourth liners, uh, of course, but they did score two goals in the last game. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I think it's a testament to this type of hockey that the Islanders play. It's not the most fun to watch, but it produces results. And to all you Islanders fans out there that are butthurt that people think your team's boring, who cares? Winning is fun, and since you're a fan of the Islanders, your way of playing is fun because you're winning all the time. Who cares about anyone else? Don't listen to anyone else. Yeah, I think your team's boring. Screw me, my team's not even in it. <laughs> so don't don't you worry about anyone else. But I, I am I am disappointed with Philly though. They I I don't know what's gone on. It like. Carter Hart was unreal in the last uh, two playoff series. I'm not sure well, if he's, he's still him. been he's still been really good. I think it's more just the fact that they can't figure out Barry Trotz. I really think I think this guy's one of the best coaches of all time. He is masterful he is. with his system. He's very good, very good. Um, and they and they can't figure it out. And frankly, um, I give them a better shot to knock off Tampa if Tampa does get through, which we all kind of think they will. I give them a better shot to knock off Tampa than Philly. I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Then Philly, yeah. I still think Tampa wins. I think oh, yeah. Tampa goes yeah, to the yeah, final. Yeah. I think Tampa's um, definitely the odds-on favorite to come out of the East. But um, I would love... Is, yeah. If anyone in the East was to take yeah. out uh, Tampa right now, I'd put all my money on, on the Islanders. If I had to pick someone to take them out. If not, I'd just bet on Tampa. But, and yeah, just, so. just kind of like out there, but my, my pick for the final, it's what I would like to see, is Avalanche Lightning. Um, and I'd like the Avalanche to win just because good old home away Toronto or home Toronto boy Nazem Kadri. He deserves it. To be honest, I want to see Vegas win. I want them to do no, it. I just they're I still just, too new. They're I, still I, too new. I can't do it. I got over my my grudge about them not having any sadness. So so yeah. So that is our wrap up of the playoffs. But there's uh, three teams that were knocked out of either the playing or the first round that are making noise. The first is Arizona. Now, um, I guess a couple months ago, I think the investigation started in December, there was an accusation that the Coyotes had uh, broken NHL rules by testing 2020 draft-eligible players, or physically testing uh, 2020 draft-eligible players outside of the Combine, which is firmly against the rules. Um, So there was a big investigation. Obviously, then John Chica said bye. And uh, Arizona is now paying the price a second round pick this year and a first round pick next year. That is massive. What's uh, what what are your thoughts on kind of what transpired here? Unlike the Houston Astros who cheated, uh these people are actually suffering the consequences of cheating. I love that. And, um <laughs> even though John Cheka who is the one yeah. that probably orchestrated all the um outside testing and cheating uh is gone you don't escape punishment because he's gone. I think I think it's a it's a hefty price the first second round this year and first round next year, but I think it shows that the league is serious about this and it'll deter people from doing it in the future. Oh, absolutely. I think it may be a wee bit too harsh. It's that is a lot for something that they don't even get to reap the rewards of, but ultimately it is I, I prefer more harsh than less, for sure, uh, for deterrent purposes. But uh, an interesting question, Steve. Would the price have been the same had the NHL still owned the Coyotes? That's a good question. I think um, absolutely not. I think they get docked like a third or something. I don't, I don't think it would be as hard, but also if the NHL owned the Coyotes, I don't think it would have happened. Also true. But 
to be fair, um, I don't think uh, ownership knew about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was uh, an entirely kind of well, uh, hockey ops. Uh, I'll say this. Kind of I'll say this. If the NHL still owned the Coyotes and this happened, the balls on John Chaka to do that under the NHL's nose, like even more so, just just kudos to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be get out of there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he, I don't know if he orchestrated it, but he one thousand percent knew about it. You don't not know about that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, where's my head scout? Oh, yeah, no, I'm just at this random inconspicuous gym. Don't worry about me. Hey, I'm not doing anything. Just chill out, man. Yeah, like, no, he definitely knew. So, what this has caused, though, is that uh, in one of the deepest drafts in the 21st century, the Coyotes are not going to have a pick in the first three rounds. That's this year. And next year, they have one pick in the first three rounds, either a second or a third, depending on what Taylor Hall does, basically. Well, that uh, that's quite unfortunate for them, um, for especially for a team that's rebuilding. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's tough, but it just goes to so choke, don't cheat. Yeah, they're firmly entrenched in that like mucky middle, what are they? And uh, now they're like they and, got Barrett Hayden, who's a very good prospect, and Victor Soderstrom, who's probably going to be a, t- a solid D-man. But they got no help, and there's not going to be replenishing the cupboards anytime soon. Just, just one last, one last thing for me on this: was it worth it to test the players before the combine, where they're going to get tested again? Well, that's what I'm like. What were that's a that's a great point, actually. What were you doing that was so revolutionary that wasn't happening at the combine? I just and and to be fair, the combine is really stupid. For the record, why do I care how high a hockey player can jump? That contributes nothing to hockey. There is literally no on ice skills at the combine. It's all dry land, and some of it is important. Like you can tell a lot by um by the the biking and all that. Like how how fast they can get the bike going, basically. Um, there's a well lot you can figure out. But more often than not, you kind of need them on the ice. So what the heck is the purpose of the combine? <laughs> it's yeah. so stupid. And, like, it, yeah, how much how much were the Coyotes actually gaining? Like, now you don't have a first-round pick next year, and you don't have a second-round pick this year, and you just tested people before they were supposed to be tested, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like, they didn't even do, like, anything nefarious. They just overtly and very obviously and knowingly broke nhl rules but like it, it, it's like it's like me purposely jaywalking just to jaywalk like in front of a cop i'm just like hey i'm walking in front of here what watch me and then they're like hey you're gonna get a ticket for that i'm like what why i mean just to get on legal ground right there jaywalking is only illegal if you disrupt traffic okay. and unless you're in, in montreal i think montreal it's pretty hey thanks severe. for ruining my anecdote Steve. you're welcome I'm just I'm trying to get Paul. the facts. Just trying to get some facts out here. Speaking of missing Paul, we're going to talk about the Toronto and Pittsburgh trade. But first, we do have to throw to our correspondent in the field. Paul, what do you think of this uh, Kapanen trade? Thanks for having me on, guys. Even though I'm not actually here. But... Since we're talking about the Kapanen deal, you know, as I said last podcast, I sort of ripped into the Leafs and that they needed to have changes. And I stand by that. Um, obviously, it's been talked about the big four, the guys making the big money, but you can't trade them. They're still such great young players. 
you got to end up keeping them. So the changes are going to come from guys like Kasperi Kapanen, the Andreas Janssens, maybe the Kerfoot, but I would prefer to keep him because he looked pretty good, especially in the playoffs. He took a step. He's a center. They're worth a little more. So unfortunately, you got to give up those third liners. Pittsburgh's been doing it for years. So it's the Leafs' time to do that. And unfortunately, Kapanen just never really took that step forward with the Leafs. So maybe he can in Pittsburgh. I wish him all the best. But man, that is such a good return for Kapanen. You give up a guy who's speed, up and down the ice, penalty killer. You'll miss him, but you know you got a first-round pick, 15th overall, and a decent-looking prospect. That's a great deal by Dubas. It doesn't solve their main issue, though, which everybody knows is defense. But I think by doing this deal, it gives Dubas more options because I don't think Kapanen's trade value to get a top four defenseman was there, but I think GMs will value a 15th overall pick a lot more if you decide to make a trade. Um, it also opens up cap space, so you can look at more free agents. You have more flexibility. There's a bunch of options you can go with. I actually just finished an article that will probably be out this week. We finally have something going up, um, and it's the top 10 defensive targets for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I think that this deal is just phenomenal. And hopefully Dubas can build on that and rehaul that right side that we have been lacking for years. So thanks again for having me on, guys. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate you coming in and giving us some in-the-field commentary on the Kapanen trade. Now, to recap exactly what the trade was, Pittsburgh got Kasperi Kapanen. Defensive prospect Jesper Lindgren, who I'm pretty sure was scratched in the AHL this year, so not too much uh, value there. And Pont Sadberg, who actually played on the first line for the Leafs this year, but uh, he's mostly a fringe NHL player. In exchange for a first-round pick in 2020, which is actually the 15th overall pick. Uh, Evan Rodriguez, who I'm pretty sure played full-time in the NHL last year as a fourth-liner. Sort of full-time. He played about uh, just over 40 games. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and I know he he played in the NHL with Buffalo as well before that. So he that was all last year, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, uh, he he yo-yoed between uh, the NHL and AHL, so similar to Pontus Albert. Uh, they also got center prospect Philip Hollander. He actually just recently had the fourth best season ever in the uh, Swedish Hockey League by a 20-year-old. So, so very good, good prospect there. And 29-year-old defenseman David Warsawski. Um, he's mostly just going to be a Marley. So that is the full trade. Steve, uh, what, what did you think of what Paul had to say? Uh, I think Paul had some, some, good, some good points. Uh, I definitely agree that you don't trade Ka- uh, Kerfoot. Um, I think he's going to be your three, uh, through third line center for a little while to come. Uh, he's great there. He, um, he really adds tenacity and just a little bit of feistiness to that third line, which you are losing a little bit of, but a bit of with Kapanen as well. I think that line's going to be good next year, though. Um, Assuming Robertson steps in? Yeah, I, I imagine it's uh, Robertson, Kerfoot, Mikheyev. So I think that line's going to be good next year. So don't you don't trade him. I agree, though, also, <laughs> I don't think Andreas Janssen is a Leaf next year. And I think this, uh, this trade... I think this trade makes it a little less likely that he gets traded, but I still think the possibility is very high. Yeah. I, ha- I actually have some thoughts about that. 
Um, but okay. <laughs> that'll definitely be a bit of a tangent. So let's just talk about uh, the captain trade right now. Not that you didn't, but I was not going to. So, <laughs> um, yes, I agree with Paul. They got exceptional value. Um, actually, according to James Myrtle from The Athletic, they had been shopping Kapanen yeah. for specifically a D-man for over a year now. And they just were never able to find uh, the kind of value in a one-for-one they would have liked. Like uh, I think the rumor around was like uh, Matt Benning out of Edmonton was like around the average type of, of offer. Which no, is, thank you. Yeah, that's woefully insufficient. Kapanen has his flaws, but he's still a capable NHL player. Matt Benning is a borderline AHL player or NHL player. Sorry, he yo-yos between them. And he's also, you know, really racist. So that's not good. But uh, more importantly, they had been trying with Kapanen. So I really like this alternative of going for the futures pick. Obviously, they get back into the first round this year, only two spots below what they would have been. So that's really good value. Philip Hollander was apparently the third best prospect, according to some uh, draft gurus. Uh, specifically yeah. Corey Pronman and Scott Wheeler, both at The Athletic. The Athletic's awesome, by the way. You should probably get a subscription if you don't have one. They rock. We are not sponsored by The Athletic either, so that's, that's uh, wholesome. So that's incredible value. And if Rodriguez uh, can negotiate a contract for around a million, because I think his RFA, what's it called, tendering offer would be actually around two. So you don't actually save much cap space there. But if he's willing to negotiate and get that down, then all of a sudden you've uh, got a new fourth liner and uh, he seems like a really good fourth liner to have so i i just want to go off on rodriguez a little bit yeah, yeah. If, if it does go to arbitration i don't think he gets two. he had 10 points yeah that definitely would be a tough negotiation to get him up there with two or with 10 points sorry yeah i i think he's going to be a good fourth liner i i don't think i think uh i don't think they qualify him at at two, I think they probably go to arbitration, and he probably goes down to like one five. Well, the thing is, is that they'd have to qualify him. Uh, oh, do they to go to arbitration? Right. I don't know because, how the whole process works. So basically, for RFA's prior to um, usually July first, but whenever free agency opens this year, you have to submit a qualifying offer to an RFA. Otherwise, they become an unrestricted free agent. Okay. Um. So if they give or offered him the qualifying offer, that would be around two million. So that leaves him the option to take it. And if he doesn't, or in the event that players uh, with RFA status don't take the qualifying offer, uh, then they end up usually going into August, so about two months later, and that's where they that's when they can go to arbitration if they have arbitration rights. So they would actually have to submit that offer first. I see. So, so if they yeah. qualify him, he's probably going to take that because otherwise. Yeah. So my thought actually is, is that uh, they either don't qualify him uh, or... And, and let him walk to free agency, or they are able to negotiate a deal for around a million, even a buck five, maybe. Hopefully. Hopefully. So, no, he would be a fine addition, but ultimately the trade really is capping in for a first and a solid prospect. So, so great value there. Now back to Janssen and Kerfoot. I actually think Kerfoot's more likely to get traded. More value? Janssen. Exactly. Uh, I think Janssen would be more of a cap dump, and that's kind of really bad asset man- management. Especially Janssen had, he didn't, like, when you actually look at it, he didn't have that bad of a year. He was injured for most of it. So I think he played 26 games. He had something like uh, eight, eight goals, uh, a couple, or maybe it was 40 games. I forget. But either I'm way, he was, steps. he was about on pace for uh, almost 20 goals, uh, you know, about 40 points again. That's a pretty decent season, and especially what we saw last year out of him. Uh, not this previous one, but the one before that. In the second half of the year, he was just on a tear. 
Yeah, he had 43 games, 21 points, 8 goals, 13 assists. That's not the worst. Yeah, no. So you're looking at about 20 goals, 45 points. That's a fine season. It's not like, you know, holy smokes. But it's it's about fair value for his contract. Um, but obviously, he's got no value right now. Um, yeah. And I just don't think they're they're willing to give up on him without any return. You know what I mean? So in that case, I don't think either of them gets moved uh, based on that. I don't because I you need centers. Um, the one thing that Toronto's organization kind of lacks is center depth and defense. But we'll get to that. Cent- center depth after the first two lines. Uh, you have Kerfoot, and then right now I think your third line center is Pierre Engvall. Oh, uh, fourth line, yeah. Fourth line, yeah. Sorry, who's he was actually originally a wing. <laughs> well, he was actually a winger, and then in the AHL, actually Sheldon Keith uh, helped him develop some some center ability. So that's why they were they were they've been playing in the center, and he's a fine center actually. But yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Beyond even beyond him, they got like I guess Jason Spezza if he comes back. They got Adam um, Brooks, who's yeah. I, I guess fine as well. Uh, Philip Hollander. That's why. People were like, oh, they don't need more forward prospects. They need center prospects. They have literally none. Oh, Hollander, is he a, a center. he's a winger though, isn't he? No, no. Hollander's a center. Oh. Yeah. So so no, I actually think Janssen stays. And I don't I don't know if Ka- if Kerfoot stays. I think they'll at at the very least give him a shot um to kind of again prove himself. Uh I mean, he makes he makes three point five million and we have him signed till the end of twenty two twenty three. Um, I think that's good value for for a third line center. I think he he brings a lot to the team. I I hope he stays. I wouldn't be disappointed if he stayed, but I also wouldn't be disappointed if he was traded. Um, but Sorry. let's get to something that I think we both think is really important, and something that I I actually didn't notice Paul talk about too much. I think he got to it towards the end. But one of the biggest trade assets I suppose they got out of this was cap space. Yes. So. I feel like a lot of people just think that the Leafs are really tight against the cap and there's not much room that they to, to sign players in that. And while it is true, you have players like uh, Travis Dermott, uh, Ilya Mikheyev, uh, I guess Dennis Malgin too, um, who are RFAs. No, I don't think he is. Um, and then you have Kyle Clifford and Jason Spezza who are UFAs. You also, like, they got rid of, what, 3.3 million, 3.2 million? Yeah, I think cap space from Kapanen. They're getting rid of 4.5 million in cap space from Cody CC. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 2.75 from Tyson Berry. 1 million from Robin Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like just with all of this, I think they have roughly 10 million in cap space right now. Now, Travis Dermott is going to get a little bit of a raise. Um, I, I, he's making eight hundred sixty-three thousand right now. Yes, he will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, think he makes more than one point five, though. I think it's going to be between one point five and two. Um, yeah, I don't think fair. you could realistically put him higher given his production and everything. But he is still young, um, so he could develop more, and eventually he might make more. For now, I don't think he does. And similar um, to Mikheyev as well, I think he he's get he gets between one and two. Yeah, and then you have Lettinen coming on for probably like one million. Um, I'm not sure what his deal is exactly. Uh, I do think I it's actually one million, but yeah, I don't see him on cap friendly yet. So, but you have all these, you have all this money to do stuff with. Yes, you're going to need some wingers, but you have Nick Robertson coming up, who's going to be making league men basically and on Barbanov his entry level. Over from the Barbanov, 
Um, hopeful, I, I'm hopeful they re-sign Spezza to uh, just the same deal again. I think yep. Spezza is open to that, and I think the team is. And I mean, I love Spezza. <laughs> yep, me too. So you have a lot of money to make acquisitions. You have a first-round pick um, that's decently high in a deep draft that you could use to make to really get some good, solid defensive yeah, help impact defensive defensive yeah, for to, to really stabilize um, Morgan Riley on the on the blue line and give him a capable partner for the first time in his career yes um, quick side note Cody CC wants a raise wait what 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 wait what it was reported, I think, by Pierre Lebrun that uh, Cody CC wants more than four point five million in free agency now. Any team that gives Cody CC more than four point five million is not making the playoffs. What if it's Tampa? Tampa doesn't have four point five million. To I know, him. but what if they did? They're good. <laughs> All right, but yeah, that's a side note. Um, good luck, Cody CC. I hope you get your money because you know every player should. You know, if the, if you can negotiate it, all power to you. I yeah. don't think you'll get it, but you know, good luck. But, I just want to say one last thing on the trade. I think it was a fleece. Um, I Captain's not worth a first rounder. Um, he's definitely not worth a first rounder and one of your three best prospects. Absolutely right. I think that's actually been surprisingly <laughs> shared by almost all of the fan base, including the Pittsburgh fan base, uh, which and was very upset about this. Jesper um, Lindgren and Pontus Aberg are not needle movers at no, all. But there is something that we should say is Pittsburgh got better on the ice because of this trade. It was ultimately a fleece, but that is important to to remember. That is true. Toronto also, a week ago, Toronto had a better roster than they do right now. So the deal is by far not done because Toronto has a lot of work to do. Um, And that work has not ended, as actually Kyle Dubas said. And James Myrtle has recently reported as well that uh, Captain was not the only person that they've been shopping. In fact, there are five other Leafs that, according to uh, executives around the NHL, that uh, have been hot on the market. Um, and the first one, and probably the most important one, uh, is Freddie Anderson. Uh, no one really knows what they're looking for. Uh, it could be more of a cap dump. Maybe they're trying to you know, recoup future assets again. Uh, but he makes $5 million for one more year. Freddie is known for being very steady. Uh, until this year, he had one bad year. That shouldn't really represent too much against him. But what could be, you know, I guess, leveraged as reasons to, to get rid of Freddie is He's never been the best goalie in a playoff series. He was good in this playoff series. Um, But he got outplayed by a guy (laughs) that makes 900K and a guy that makes 1.1 million. Yeah, but the guy that made 1.1 million also went on to five overtimes uh, against Tampa, like less than a week after beating Toronto. I think think they go with Frederick Frederick Anderson for this next year. Um, I don't think he's back. I hope they don't. Um, and that's nothing against Freddie Anderson. He's one of my favorite Leafs. I love Frederick Anderson. But again, all I've seen around the NHL is this kind of move towards tandems. And if you don't have to pay your goalies a combined $7 million, and instead you could pay Thomas Grice $3 million, and now you've only got four, all of a sudden you have you know $3 million more cap space to, to work with, right? Um, and I think that's that's a move that they are considering, and I'm glad they are considering it. That's not to say that if Freddie comes back, we're going to be disappointed in any way. But I think it is something important that they should be looking in. 
because also the goalie market this year is going to be nuts. There's so many good goalies on the market. And UFAs too, right? Yeah, yeah. And frankly, like they've started to open up cap space, especially if you're able to get rid of Freddie's five million. You have so much money to play with. And you the, there's way more uh, goalies available than there are goalie spots in the NHL. You know what I mean? So goalies are still going to come cheap. You're going to be able to get someone. So um, I'm really glad they're looking at it. But uh, for more of the players that they're looking at, you got Pierre Engvall signed to $1.25 million. Um, I think they're going to keep him. He showed up well in the playoffs after a dismal stretch at the end of the season. That fourth line was good. Yep. So, um, but they are shopping him, and rightly so. I think if they could, they would go with a totally uh, NHL-based salary uh, fourth line. So he makes 500 k above that. For the Leafs, obviously 500k is a lot, but beyond that, there's also Janssen and Kerfoot that they're looking at trading. So there's definitely uh, a lot on the table for the Leafs, and I think we can all be assured that they they aren't even close to done. But as speaking, or as Paul mentioned, he does have an article coming out this week. So with that, we're going to bring back the segment of Ice Time. So... For Ice Time this week, we are going to talk about Paul's article that is coming out, Top 10 Defensive Targets for the Toronto. We're not going to talk about every target because then why would you read the article? That would be stupid. (laughs) But uh, go check it out on the website if you want to see every player that uh, we're here to talk about or that we haven't talked about as well. So, Steve, having read it, what is a player that catches your eye here? Well, I'm going to go for the obvious one and uh, Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. Um, obviously he is the best defenseman, uh, that's hit in the UFA market this year. Uh, he is just a stud. I think he's a top five defenseman. Yes. I think he, he, he would like to stay with St. Louis, uh, as Paul mentions. I don't know if they can afford him because they made, I don't know if it was this year or last year, a strange pickup in a defenseman. Justin Falk. Yeah. And then signed it to seven years. 6.5 6.5 million or something like that? Roughly around that. That's a lot for Justin Falk. Um, I don't know what their cap space is, uh, to be honest. I think given... Well, <laughs> yeah. You keep talking, you keep talking. I think given Alex Petrangelo's <laughs> amazing abilities and and just his history as a, as a defenseman, he's going to make a good amount of money. Will they be able to afford to fit him in? I don't know. That did, oh boy! Um, As of right now, they have twenty thousand dollars in cap space. Um, and they have nothing. They have Jacob De La Rose, who's an RFA coming up, and Troy Brower, who's a UFA. Beyond that, it's Alex Petrangelo as a UFA, and That's Vince heavy. Dunn as an RFA. So Vince Dunn's probably going to get a a little bit a raise. raise. Yeah, um, but Brower's really. Really, they only oh, he's have gone. Yeah, he uh, Petrangelo's 6.5 coming off the books, which will, if they want to keep him, is going to be reallocated towards him. Um, it's going to be mm-hmm. it's going to be tight for them. And obviously, I would love Petrangelo. Um, he's probably going to have to take less than what his traditional market value would be, which I think would be probably around 9.5. But I think he's going to have to settle for 8.5 or 8-ish this year, which actually the Leafs could put together an offer for. But ultimately, okay. he wants to stay in St. Louis, and I think St. Louis is going to find ways to make sure that he stays right i don't see how they do that without taking away from their their offense um i think they're going to take away from their offense you, you can probably find someone to take tyler bozak's five million 
And that right there is he has a no move. He has a no trade clause. A modified no trade clause. Yeah, but you'll you'll, they have a a they have a decent amount of no trade clauses. Yeah, Bozax is a ten team. You still got twenty one other teams you can trade with. Okay, David Um, Perron's only a five team. Yeah, so I think I think they're going to be able to figure it out. What's going to be tricky is the year after when they got Jaden Schwartz up, Barbashev, Robert Thomas, who's great. Uh, Jordan Cairo is going to be up. Yeah, but they'll um, have uh, Alex Dean gone by then because he'll probably retire since he's he's thirty six or take a take a a small deal. They have yeah. a lot of RFAs though. Yeah, it'll be it'll be definitely interesting. I think Petrangelo would fit perfectly in uh-huh. Toronto, and I also think that if St. Louis couldn't figure it out, I could see him taking like a short term deal to Toronto, like, like to wait out basically the flat cap spot and then go um, back to St. Louis. Yeah, like help us win a cup or. Even like if he could just comes to Toronto, I'm like the endorsements he would get were it would be nuts, right? He could make he would make like what eight million on or in whatever average value, and then he would probably make another like three three million in, in endorsements. So he would make a piss pile of money, and then he could you know go back to St. Louis or go chase a cup. Yeah, um, and if he wins a cup in Toronto, like oh, he's he set be, for life. Yeah, he get he's he's he gets like a statue at the front of uh, ACC or yeah. Scotia Bank, whatever. I could also see him doing that with Colorado, frankly. Um, so for my pick, I'm actually going to stay in the city and go with one of my favorite defensemen in the NHL, Mr. Colton Pareko. He is a trade candidate, as Paul mentions, not a UFA. He signed $5.5 million for another three years. He is... Oh, he's 27 now, I guess, when we were starting to talk about him. He was 25. Um, but I think he's really, really, really good. Uh, he's 6'6". <laughs> which doesn't hurt at uh, at the very least. Um, he can chip in with points, but more than anything, he is extre- an extremely steady right shot defenseman who can play top pairing minutes, and I think he would be a phenomenal complement to Morgan Riley. And I've wanted Colton Braco on this team for a very long time. So, What do you trade for him? He's a 5.5 cap hit till the end of 21-22, so not long. Let me tell you what... The Leafs were rumored to have offered the 15th overall pick, Timothy Liljegren and Andreas Janssen. Liljegren's a hard one for me, but I think... Would you do that? Because I'll be honest, i do that in a heartbeat. You think they'd do it if it's Dermot instead? Actually, no. I, I, think, I, I think they would hold on to Dermot maybe before Liljegren. Really? Oh, I, no, actually, uh, they would... No, other way around, sorry. I think they would hold on to Liljegren before Dermot. Yeah, I think... I think... <laughs> If it's Dermot, you probably need to add a little bit more. Maybe, but uh, I'd be fine letting Timothy Lillian go in this trade. Not that I'm not uh, still enamored with his potential, but I see his potential as like becoming a Colton Pareko. Um, and that's like, to me, that's his ceiling, right? So if we can get just his ceiling without worrying about <laughs> everything in the middle or whatever falling short of that, I'm kind of good with that. I, I really like Colton Pareko. I think that'd be a great trade. So it's fair. My only issue is that that's a right D prospect. Dermot is a lefty, which would be better. And then you have, can have Sandin come up because right now I don't know how they're going to get him ice time. Yeah, that's the other thing too, is they're obviously going to have to make moves on the back end, which is why I yeah. think Dermot's going to be gone as well because they need to make room for... Lettinen didn't come over to play in the AHL, right? Yeah. Uh, so, um, and I think Sandin deserves a spot. I think maybe if they do keep Liljegren, he's going to be top pairing in the AHL, help him develop a little bit more because I don't think he's ready yet. But, but yeah, so I'd be really happy with Colton Pareko. 
what I'd be too. What would you uh, like to discuss next? Who? I'm a little torn between between two of them, and I'm not sure. I'm I'm gonna go with a player on 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 his list that I don't think they should get. I love it, and that is a trade for Matt Dumba. Wow. I think Matt Dumba is a great player, a great person. He's not what the Leafs need. He is an offensive defenseman who has relatively poor defensive numbers, and that's definitely not what the Leafs need more of. That's that sounds to me like a Tyson Berry 2.0, um, and I don't think that would work well with him. I, I think I think Matt Dumba could have a lot of success with the Wild or another team, just not the Leafs. I agree with that, but I also really want Matt Dumba. <laughs> I think, I don't know, like, see, yeah, you're, you're totally right. I would love Matt Dumba as, like, the second player that you get, right? right? Um, yeah. And, like, maybe Justin Hall leaves, and all of a sudden Matt Dumba and Jake, Jake Muzzin is a phenomenal pairing. And then Riley can have his defensive defenseman of sorts to play alongside him. But, yeah, to play with Riley, you're, you're totally right. I don't, I don't think Matt Dumba's the fit. I think it's similar to Tyson Berry. But to that as well, I think also uh, Keith is going to make a difference because he's going to try and put players in a place where, or in a position where they can succeed. Something that maybe Meg Babcock may or may not have done, and may or may I not do in Washington if he is hired there. Maybe, um, but I think there's pros and cons to Matt Dumba. It's definitely more of a wild card than some of the more sound options, I suppose, or safer ones. Uh, definitely a high risk, high, re- high reward move. Yes. So the last player we'll talk about. Uh, is none other than the man who bullies people on the ice. He can drag four people with his fists. He's big, he's mean, and he doesn't have a contract and didn't play this year. One, Dustin Bifuglian. Just kidding, Dustin Bufflin. So, (laughs) I don't know how I feel about it. I would, Dustin Bufflin three years ago is exactly what the Leafs need right now. I don't know if Dustin Bufflin is... It would be what he is or if he's really capable of those top line minutes not really even because of his playing ability because last time he played he was still a monster but more because of his injuries and the way he plays takes a toll on a player so he may be kind of exhausted by that his body could be battered so if anything it's less his abilities and more just trying to shelter in him for his own sake um i don't think he would command too much because he hasn't played for a year i i don't know i i would love just the experiment you know what i mean the one thing I'm going to say about that, he's 35 years old. If he takes a contract and doesn't finish, that's a 35-plus contract. True, true. What if it's a, a one- or two-year type of thing? Which I it's think not, is mostly what he'll get. It's not it's the not. worst, but it also still leaves you in cap hell for like next year or this year, and then you're out of defenseman. I would... You make all the right points, but my heart wants Dustin Bufflin, so screw you. Oh, my heart wants him too. <laughs> then never mind. Don't screw you. But yeah, I'm those just trying are to be rational. <laughs> screw that. Where, where, <laughs> where did rational ever get us? It got us no Nazem Kadri. Hey, I went with Petra- Petrangelo first. <laughs> yeah, you know, good point. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that'll do it for our ice time. Go check out Paul's article. It'll be out Monday or Tuesday of this week. We'll be posting it on all of our social medias. Check out uh, the other uh, six or seven defensemen that Paul has mentioned that could be a fit with the Leafs. Now moving on, our final segment. I know we didn't do it the past couple times, but it is back, and it's still the staple of the podcast. The staple got a little rusty, so we had to replace it. That was all. It's the trivia. 
And today we have a very interesting trivia. Steve, are you quick on your feet? Absolutely not. Fantastic. Because <laughs> this game requires you to be quick on your feet. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure there was a game show based around this concept. Is it, Maybe it's like the $25,000 pyramid or, or, or something of the sorts. But I've named it. Sounds uh, like a pyramid the- scheme. Paul, if crickets weren't inserted there, please now insert them. Thank you very much. The name of the game um, is a Game of Guessing the Category and Quick Succession Game. I know. My name you, is Unreal. You are unreal with those names. You need to uh, you need to become like a professional of that, that that or something. You know there's a guy at NBC that uh, that like names TV shows or whatever and he makes like four hundred thousand dollars a year or something. Well, sounds like a job perfect for you. Thank you. Uh, a job not perfect for me is actually a $50,000 job that I saw today uh, that uh, Snoop Dogg pays for a guy to just roll his joints. That is a true fact. What we were gathering from this is Mac can't roll joints. Yay! Positive um, publicity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so basically how the game is going to work uh, is within a round, there are six categories. They're going to be coming in in order so let's say the category is teams in the Eastern Conference. I will know the category, but in order to get Steve to guess the category, I have to basically say as much as I can to try and get him there without saying anything or any part of the category. So if it's teams in the Eastern Conference, I would say Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Boston Bruins, Carolina Hurricanes, so on and so forth until he tries to get it. If he can't get it, he can pass um, and we'd move on to the next one. We have a minute and 30 seconds to try and team up and get all six categories done. Um, um, if he does pass on a category and we do complete all the other ones or he passes on all the other ones, we just rotate back around. We have three rounds of this, six categories per round, a minute and a half per round, Steve. Do I have unlimited questions or like uh, answers? Yeah. Well, guesses, yeah. You can yeah. like literally rapid fire. Um, I, I'll take the discretion of uh, no. you know how close you are because there are technically like official category names, but like if you said, you know, East teams or something. I would be like, yeah, that, that's good enough, right? Okay. <sighs> I'm I'm not nervous, but I'm not not nervous. So you're nervous, but maybe. Um. So we'll. So this is going to be a bit of a test, kind of see if a minute and thirty seconds is going to be enough for <laughs> us. Um. So round one, you can, remember you can always pass, and we can revisit it. Okay. Are you ready, Steve? Let's yeah. do this. Price is right, me. Going in three, two, one, go. Uh, Vancouver Canucks, uh, Vegas Golden Knights, Philadelphia Flyers, New York Islanders, Tampa Bay. Oh, teams in the playoffs. Yep. Um, uh, Nazem Kadri, Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, Former Leafs. Yes. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks, LA Kings, um, Pittsburgh Penguins, Washington Recent Capitals. Cup winners. Uh, uh, a little more specific. Um, what? Uh, Recent Stanley Cup winners? <laughs> uh, close enough. Close oh, enough. Stanley Cup winners in the 2010s. Yes, exactly, actually. Aaron Ekblad. Wow, that was a random one. Uh, uh, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. Former first-round picks. Um, first overall picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hartford Whalers. Um, Teams uh, that are no longer in the NHL. Yeah, I was going to say Atlanta Flames. Um, Alex Petrangelo, Taylor Hall. Um, Notable UFA agents. Or Uf- yeah, yeah, UFAs. Close, close enough. Wow. That was... <laughs> it's a minute and a half enough. <laughs> wow. 
Well, we would have gotten in under a minute. We took uh, 47 seconds there. Total? Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I did make the first round the easiest to kind of get our bearings and all that. Okay. Whew. Uh, yeah. That was, uh, that, was, uh, that was fun. Yeah, the, uh, the Stanley Cup winners was a little tricky, eh? Yeah. Like yeah. it was like more 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 uh, specific. It's like um, Stanley? No. Yeah. All right. Recent Cup winners. More specific. Stanley Cup winners. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. All right. The second one, I'm pretty sure, is going to be harder. Um, okay. So, best of luck to both of us. I will need it. Um. Okay. I did, okay. Ooh. Are you ready, Steve? Absolutely not. Let's go. Okay, wait, I'm going to take a drink of water because I speak really fast. <laughs> I finished my tea. Okay, going in. Uh, three, two, one, go. Um, Artem Anisimov, uh, uh, Frederick Anderson, Josh Anderson. Um, um, oh, Danish players? No. Um, uh, oh, my God. Akeem Aliu, actually. Um, um, uh, oh, my God, this sucks. Oh, my God, I'm blanking. What do all these players have in common? Uh, you can pass if you want. Um, pass. Okay, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, Seattle Kraken, Minnesota Wild. Excuse me? <laughs> That's the list. Tampa Bay Lightning, Seattle Kraken, Minnesota Wild. Not the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, oh, teams that, uh, that, don't, ha- that aren't, um, don't have S's at the end, basically. Yes, good enough. Kasperi <laughs> um, Kapanen, uh, Artem Anisimov again, um, uh, Ben Bishop, uh, Brian Boyle, um, who else? Charlie Coyle, um, um, left, no, left, no, Ben Bishop, no, um, oh gosh, Kasperi uh, Kapanen, Brian, alliteration, yes, oh, yes, 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 alliteration, yes, yes. Um, Edmonton Oilers, Florida Panthers, uh, Colorado Avalanche, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, this year, the Rangers, um, New Jersey Devils. Ah, oh, okay, that's uh, that's our one minute thirty already. Um, I am. Let's yeah. That. So the first one, I'm pretty sure I said Frederick Anderson, Josh Anderson, uh, Artem Anisimov, Akeem Alou, Akeem Alou. Oh, was, a, a last yeah. names. Yep, yep. Uh, you got the teams without the plurals. You got a litter of player names. Uh, the next one was draft lottery winning teams. So Edmonton, Colorado. I see. Yeah. Um, I'll do the next one slowly. So I I think you caught me off guard when you started with Florida. Yeah, I know. I was like, what? And then for the first round, first overall picks in the last round, I started with Aaron Ekblad. I'm like, why why would I start with them? Um, (laughs) but just have uh, a thing for Florida. Yeah, I guess the next category was, uh, Vancouver, Chicago or Calgary, sorry, not Arizona, Edmonton, uh, Anaheim, LA, not Arizona. Western not, Conference team? No. Why do you keep saying not Arizona? I'm referring to a previous podcast. Oh, oh, Central Division teams? No. Pacific. There you go. I was going to let you. I did the it. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So yeah, the not Arizona was the joke because I had gotten Arizona wrong, even though Arizona is in the Pacific. Um, and then uh, Taylor Hall, Elias Pettersson, uh, Ryan Getzlav, Anze Kopitar. Sounds like Kopitar Goodell, left wing. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Kachuk. Top line players. Connor McDavid. Uh, Bo Horvat. 
Um, forwards in the Western Conference? More specific on both? Top line forwards in the Western Conference. Okay, less specific on one and more specific on the other. Top line forwards on the in the Central Pacific. Yeah, Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just players in the Pacific. Okay. So yeah, those were it. We did significantly worse. Significantly. Um, this third round is going to be very hard. Oh God. Um. Okay. Hold on. I gotta look a couple things up just so I know I'm not uh, saying things wrong. So yeah, I, this would definitely be a lot of fun with a, a couple of us. Yes. So I think we'll we'll probably bring this one back the the game of naming categories in quick suspensions or in suspensions quick, quick succession. My God. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. I guess so. I don't think I have a choice. Remember, you can you can pass. Ready? Okay. All right. Three, two, one, go. Um, almost Austin Matthews this year. Uh, not Ovechkin, Ross winners. Not Ovechkin this year, but Ovechkin in most other years. Um, Crosby oh, once Rock, I think. Rocket no. Um, you're in in the right area. Uh, think of the numerical kind of threshold. Oh, 50 goal scores. Yep. Um, Montreal Canadiens, uh, Washington Capitals. Um, this is not you said are red. Oh my God. I don't know how you got that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know uh, either. Austin Matthews, Aaron Ekblad, uh, uh, Artemi Panarin, um, McKinnon, n- famously not Gretzky. Um, uh, uh, Timu Solani, uh, rookie of the year. Yep. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Um, Boston Bruins once teams that I twice. hate Boston Bruins twice actually um, New Jersey as well New York Rangers to the same team um, Tampa to the same team the same team uh, should you just pass pass um, Brendan Lemieux Matt Niskanen Tom Wilson probably to be honest um, uh, Kerfoot definitely did Players that have been suspended recently? Yep. Um, okay. Uh, Mitch Marner, uh, McKinnon, Ovechkin, Crosby. Ah. Left wings? No. Um, so no, because This not. one was uh, players that have uh, a Tim Hortons stick in the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't even looked at those sticks yet. <laughs> um, and then the other one that was Philly, uh, Boston twice, uh, and all that was teams that lost in the Stanley Cup final in the 2010s. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's why I tried to say New Jersey and uh, New York to the same team. Um, oh, yeah. I could I think Vegas would have helped as well if I had said them, but I forgot. Should have said Nashville. Would that have helped? Yeah, actually, I think it would have. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nashville and San Jose to the same team would have been good. But, uh, yeah, so we actually did better than in there in the third or than the second round. I don't know. I was how kind you- of hoping you would just say the Toronto Maple Leafs so I could say teams that make me sad. <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs, Boston Bruins. There you go. I don't know how you got the red one after two. Well, I was just thinking of the teams and like they're both red. <laughs> and then you were struggling and I was like, okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Why not just throw everything at the wall? Okay, great. Wow, you did really good. Thank you. That was that was really good. That was surprisingly I had an easier time with that one than the second round. But the yeah. questions were definitely harder. <laughs> yeah, the, definitely. The, I found the questions harder because I tried to make them 
uh, kind of ascending per uh, per round. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I think the se- especially the second round, I focused on like names, like it was players with last names of A, yeah. alliterative player names, teams without the plural, and all that. So no, that was a, that was a lot of fun. I think we'll try and bring that back. I think we're actually also going to bring back that famous drafting segment um, where. Uh, Steve definitely lost. You did not win that one, even though you had <laughs> destroyed. Um, but otherwise, that's going to be it. I thank all of our listeners for kind of bearing with us as we figure refigured out our schedules. Uh, the podcasts are going to be more consistent, and you can expect more content coming out on the website. With that being said, Steve, would you like to say anything before we go? Um, wear your mask. Wash your hands. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, NHL, do better. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Au revoir. Hi. Be sure to check us out at getofftheice.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at getofftheice.